Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what drink are you making today? I'm making a Bloody Mary because we went to Kenya for a month and um, on the plane I was like, oh, can I have a Bloody Mary? And it was so delicious that I had three. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Andy Oliver, chefy. Oh, oh, there she is. Yes. <laughs> always, what? Always get Too wrong. fancy and she would put like smoked garlic in it or something. And I don't want that. I just want a classic, clean... Oh, wait. Are you saying what Bloody I would put Mary? I would never put anything in the Bloody Oh, yeah, Mary. you wouldn't even go near one. My mum hates tomatoes more than anything in the world. Our guests, uh, Gok Wan and his wonderful, like, proper deep friend, Alison, are coming around and they said they'll have a little bit of alcohol, but they don't really want booze. I don't even see a Bloody Mary as an alcoholic drink. I know you can have Virgin Mary. We're not doing that. It's quite a substantial drink. And mum's done a beautiful vegetarian menu, so I think it really works. Can I say, are you not offering me an alternative? I was going to say, Andy, are you having a drink today? I don't know, I might do. If the drink maker would offer me an alternative, I'd okay. say, what are you going to do? I don't have time for an alternative. I'm really you don't have an alternative for me? No, but I can make you a tea. Oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> yeah, I'll be having a vanilla Rui Boss tea. There you go. No, I feel like I should have a drink with God. I want a drink with God. Okay. We have got the delightful and completely brilliant Gok Wan coming around today with his friend Alison, whose name is Fanny McPhee. And on her Instagram, she says, my name's Alison, but Fanny's funnier. So that's what she calls her. And they are the dearest, 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 dearest of friends. Alison is really having a challenging moment in her life. She's got stage four cancer. So they're doing everything she wants to do before she passes on. So they're having a sort of amazing, joyful, sad, beautiful, extraordinary time. Gok is an incredible person. And I met Alison, well, actually, I met Alison about a year ago as well at the, an awards thing, that, which is when I met Gok. And she is also brilliant. And they just squeeze joy out of every second of life. And I just, I just think they're incredible people to be around. I'm really happy that they're coming. Well done, because you've got posh laugh candles. Yeah, that's true. Oh, There's no, that is so posh. <laughs> you only light those when you have a poo. No. You never, not a wee candle. I like the 
It's a poo candle. It's true though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you got I like candles. Candles. I like this is my, it's my, my new thing that I do for myself is buy myself stupidly overpriced candles. They are so expensive. I never go out. So okay. all the money I used to spend on going out, I now spend on... I just F1 think you're pooing loads. I will. This I will think it's possibly that. <laughs> so we've got a pumpkin and carrot terrine with a blood orange and a chilli glaze. And then you've got a little pumpkin broth that's split with a bit of red chilli oil. Oh, and I nice. made this up for you. Alison's vegetarian. I'm like, right, so we're going to do a vegetarian menu and I wanted to do something new. So this is Alison's uh, carrot and um, pumpkin terrine. And you've got pumpkin broth with little red chilli oil. We've got garlic, Swiss chard. These are carrot and pumpkin pakoras with sour cream and a chimichurri and pickled blood orange. Thank and then you. you've got your yeah. virgin Bloody Mary, and then you've uh, so got So I'm going to go straight into the you're Bloody Mary. You're going to get straight... I'm going to have a sip of magic. I'm going to go straight magic. in. Cheers, Cheers. everyone. Well, Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy 24. I mean, we're I almost mean, at the goodness. end of the first month. It's a bit... In a way, oh, my God, that's delicious. Oh, that's good. That is good. We're having Bloody Mary. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> is it good? Nikita, good. Mm. Thank you. Really good. Is it a good one? Spicy. What makes a good Bloody Mary? Because to me, it's just hideousness. So what makes a good one is it's got to have layers. Yes. It's got to have bites and spice. Right. You've got to be able to taste the celery, which you can do, because mm-hmm. you put celery salt in. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. We, and have you made jelly made celery, celery salt. salt? Oh, all right, posh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to go with the poo candle. To go with the poo candle. Poo candle. Poo candle. Poo candle. <laughs> <laughs> never going to lose that now. Poo candle. And 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 so I put a quarter shot of sherry in mine. Oh no, oh, that would have been a quarter great. shot sherry because what it does, it just cuts through that acid of the tomato. But it is delicious. That's a good bloody merit. Thank you, Gog. I want to do right. And Gog, thank you so much for coming and bringing your true dear friend Alison Alison Gordon Parry otherwise known as Fanny, Fanny McPhee. McPhee I was going to say could not find your surname anywhere it's no. just Fanny McPhee yeah. on the internet I like to say Alison but Fanny's funnier Fanny's funnier <laughs> <laughs> well, this, isn't it? Yeah, it's always. so our gorgeous so, Fanny you're take welcome take your broth and just pour it around never had a guest serve us I know oh, really? it's Gok and I, you can't be bothered literally off. my yes, life Gok you as I am are a child of hospitality child of food mm, child of food a child of the food gods child of the food I gods I am and it but, never leaves you. But I mean, I, my mum's probably been doing, I mean, always cooking, of course, and always cooking particularly beautifully. But I suppose being in hospitality for the past 15 years. Yeah. So I was already a grown up. But when you were a kid, your parents yeah, were so running we, a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, so my, my earliest memory is going to the Bamboo House, which was dad's restaurant. <laughs> is that what and, it was called? Yeah, and there was me yeah, and my brother yeah. both dressed in mini tuxedos. My brother's a year <laughs> older than me. <laughs> I've got that picture. Yeah. I can give you that picture. Oh, please give me um, that picture. So there's a picture of us both in our tuxedos. <laughs> and we go into the restaurant and I was probably between the ages of two and three. I mean, social services will have a word about this now. <laughs> and we would go and we would perform in front of the customers. And so what we would, would dance do? with the customers. Because back in those days, oh we're talking in the 70s. Yeah. Back in those days, restaurants were like clubs. Yeah, of course. And yes. so you would go there and you'd spend the whole night. Not yeah. like now. You go in there, you have a drink. Yeah, and it's you're the, then off somewhere else. Well, you spent the whole night with the people that own the restaurant. So all of our customers became mum and dad's friends. And so they would move the tables back and they would create a dance floor. Oh, in the middle of his it. Chinese restaurant and we all get up and dance Actually, and it was amazing yeah. it was brilliant so wonderful yeah. we charmed them yeah we charmed them and so yeah. we became from a very young age so part what of were catering. you dancing to 
it was everything from Johnny Mathis, Matt Monroe, Buddy Holly. We've had this Elvis. conversation. See, yeah. so like like the, the the kind of weird like Perry Como yeah. to like to yeah. like you know James yeah. Brown to yeah. like some you know all, something all of them, amazing. All of yeah. them, yeah. Love. And so we had all of that stuff, and and so yes, yeah, so we were part of it. And but we were all then within moments pushed into the kitchen or working front of house, and so we're always surrounded by food and, and people. Yeah, and people. Yeah. And where probably where I'm happiest is in a restaurant. Yeah, if you I'm were really always going to end up on some stage then. Yeah, do you know what? Weirdly not, actually. I wanted to be an actor when I was younger, but prior to that, I wanted to be a farmer or an archaeologist. <laughs> they were the two... <laughs> a farmer or an archaeologist because yeah, they're the same. Yeah, exactly. I don't get that. Exactly, get great aspiration. Mucky boots, no. <laughs> do you know what? I think probably from a young age, I just thought it was probably quite masculine. Yes. And it was kind of a bit grubby. And I wasn't, I was always really effeminate growing well, so up. Well, it was a bit butch. And so a bit butch. Yeah. And so, butch. you know, you could be a fireman or you could be a farmer. Right. I think I'll be a farmer. Always wanted to be a farmer and then an archaeologist and then an actor. And so I think actually, but having said that, you know. Can you know, I ask, jump... was archaeologist because of Indiana Jones? No, archaeologist <laughs> was because mum and dad bought a property and turned it into a restaurant and we went in there. And of course, you know, it was back in the 80s and early 80s now, it, you know, the whole family became part of the, the production crew. Yeah. We, we were the labourers and so we'd all get right. involved and stuff. And I remember ripping out fireplaces and finding all these Victorian tiles oh. at this fireplace. And I loved the idea that I'd found something that belonged to somebody else that yeah. had all this history. And so then I've worked out that that was an archaeologist. I didn't even right. know what the name was. And Alison, <laughs> where, where did you find Gok? Because I, I read that it was yeah. only about... Yeah, come on. Where did you find him under a stone? Yeah. He was next yeah. to a marble. Like she a found treasure. me in a Victorian fireplace <laughs> in Leicester in 82. No, because I read that it was like 15, 13 years ago that you met, so Gok would have already been quite a well-known person. I, was a, about, I think about 12 years ago, mm. I was an advertising manager of a brand in Australia mm. and my boss hired him and then I had to get to know everything about him. I already knew who he was and seen the shows and everything but watched all the documentaries, read all the books, watched everything and then we met and uh, literally eyes locked across the room, <laughs> he said something very rude to me in front of all the most senior people within the business. <laughs> of course. And I just knew instantly that You're was like, it. I love Hello. him. Yeah. Well, what well, did he say? What did he say? You can't say. Was it really bad? It's our secret, Alison. <laughs> Was it really? You can't say probably. I mean, I've, you don't I've got, even know. You can't remember. I, well, I've just got this awful thing. Whenever I'm in a corporate environment, <laughs> I become the most uncorporate person, <laughs> yes. and I can't help myself. Yeah. So I just have to go tits, yeah, yeah. shit, <laughs> or do anything. You know, just just because it's so right. corporate. Because it's like we're in a really meeting. Nervous. Right. Am I allowed so, to tell? No, you're not allowed to tell. <laughs> no, please. Oh, come no. On. Maybe at the end of this. Okay, tell us it. We'll give him some more bloody Mary. Yes. But but this yeah. but then what happened was so we so I was, we were working on this job. I was based in the UK. Alison was in Australia. So it was an Australian brand, and I'd had to fly over and 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 basically style all the clothes, all the homeware, kind of work with the buying team, oh. and but then we'd shoot all the adverts. And our first advert when we first met, so we didn't know each other at all. We were in this huge studio in Sydney. There was a bed set up. We were going to shoot this bed with all the bedding on. Got to lunchtime, and I just said to Alison, "Right, let's get into the bed. We'd only just met. Let's just get into the bed in." the studio everyone's kind of doing their own I mean, thing love that, right? just because it feels a bit you know because it was like it felt like the right thing to do let's just get into get the, in the bed. bed so we got into the bed and i pulled out my phone and music's really important to me i didn't know mm-hmm. anything about alison it turns out alison used to be a singer and literally 
exactly the same taste in music, which is so rare to find in anyone. And we're talking about, you know, Sandra Cross, Lovers Rock, mm. you know, all of the all of the stuff that I'm really passionate about and I absolutely love. And we just started playing songs to each other in this bed. And at that point, oh we knew yes. that that was a it was a friendship and we knew that it would be forever mm. because oh. we were joined by something which was so important. Yeah. And we'd lived such separate lives in other parts of the world. Literally opposite but music, ends of the world. Yeah, exactly. But music had brought us together and we still do now our gr- probably our greatest similarity is our taste in music yeah. and if there is a track that we're listening to uh, or comes on the radio or whatever and I like it and Alison doesn't or the, or the other way around there is genuine disappointment <laughs> genuine <laughs> like, like a little bit like well I really like the vocal oh, I don't like it oh, oh what oh, do you mean you don't like it what do you mean I like the vocal what do you mean you don't like the vocal but it's like that now yeah. isn't it all these years yeah. later it's, it's yeah so that, that's kind of how I mean, we one met of the first things that we talked about when I met you was music. Mm, yeah. music. Music, it seems to be first and foremost in your consciousness all the time, really. Yeah. I mean, we literally started talking, we sat down at that awards Where did thing. you guys meet? Yeah. It was an Where awards show. Where did you meet my show. friend, we were- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we were we were judges at an award yeah. show, a food a food award yeah. show. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. um and I was like, it's gonna be really boring. And then it wasn't because you were there and we had the most hilarious time. It was really and annoying really everyone, and all the bosses. Annoying everyone. Really, but it was really it was quizzing. music, it was it was all the you know, and, and we that, started that talking about lovers yeah. rock and growing yeah. up yeah. with this extraordinary like a real breadth Such. of musical. But for me, when I was growing up, there was no pop music because I was working in the restaurant. And so I listened. The only music in my life growing up was the stuff that dad would play in the the restaurant, which was The Carpenters, Elaine Page, Matt Monroe, all of these amazing artists. But then I wasn't listening to kind of relevant music. It just wasn't pop. Kind of watched it, but didn't really get into it. Mm. But it it wasn't until I was 15, I discovered house music and dance music Mm. that I then took that as my music. That was then my music. I, I owned that. No one else owned it it was all mine you kind of need so, that don't you in your life is that you know even if you've grown up with passage. music in home, yeah, yeah, there you needs have to, to you have be to a thing one. that's yours yes. yeah. what was yours because I, I know for Makita it was really annoying because oh. I used to introduce her to music and hmm. I was cool I was just wondering <laughs> I was, yeah because I was just wondering if you two send each other playlists because my oh. mum had a mixtape it, it was, was called Punk a, Bitch yeah okay and it was Nirvana was and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and, and Fuji's, Fuji's and it, was, it, was like, it was a good it playlist it was a bloody yeah. good playlist and I heard that and I, I did think oh fuck she's cool <laughs> Shit. is that awful to it think was that annoying. really cool it was annoying is it annoying yeah it was annoying because then I got very into the thing that I say is mine which is grunge not Rock grunge, yeah, specifically, right. specifically. Very specifically. Oh yeah, like silver chair. Do you know yeah, 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 yeah. I love silver chair. I love silver chair. I've only vaguely because she just used to play it incessantly. I can't remember right. the songs. I just remember very the name. talented voice. But so this thing that happened with us, with like starting to cook with other people yeah. on screen and on you know doing podcasts yeah. and all of that stuff in lockdown happened for us. You. Became a DJ. But were you a DJ before that? Yeah, I was. And no one knew. Many, many years ago, I have always had quite legendary parties in my house. Invite loads of friends over. And in fact, I bought my house that I'm in now for parties. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was intention was to have well, parties Well, you do in live there. in the middle of central London. In central maniac, London with yeah. a massive kitchen, yeah. with great cooking space, loads of surface space that you can put food out, which is really important, again, coming from the restaurant. Yeah. So it's never necessarily just about the cooking. It's about how do you get to the food, yeah. which is really important. Mm. And so I started having these parties and we would sometimes have up to 60 people on a Sunday come over and 
they'd all bring a dish, like a potluck party. I would put the music on and then my friends would say to me, what's the point in you having this fucking party? Because all you've done is play music. You haven't spoken to anyone. (laughs) All you've done is play music. In my head, it suddenly went, oh my God, you're right. What's going on here? And, And it's so odd because I guess I'd never, ever imagined that I could work in the music industry. It was never part of my destiny. Yeah. I didn't. Number one, I didn't feel cool enough, and mm. number two, I didn't feel like I had the education behind me, or even the passion, maybe. But yeah. also, did you ever feel like maybe you'd become so famous as Gok Wan that you had to stay in one lane? To be never. That. And I've always been really lucky. Is Fair. that my followers have allowed me to diversify, whether it's food or fashion or mm. kind of social awareness stuff, documentary stuff, yeah. or, or music. I've always been of the thinking. Actually, if I'm passionate about it, that's all I need to put on screen. I was going to say, I'm matter. not sure. It's that, it's that yeah. your followers allowed you to. It's yeah. that you you show every side of yourself and that's well, kind of... But I think you still have to respect that you're, without your followers, you can't do it without no, an no, audience. No, no, of course not. But I think that yeah. the people that follow you, that people that love you, I've walked down the street with you and people properly <laughs> love you as well. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I feel like a wallflower. <laughs> They're like, yo, 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 Some people stop. even cry. And they're not really. So like hanging onto his arm and stuff. I'm like, my God, they, but they really, really love you. That's a lot. But I think that they actually, that they want to see all the different sides of you. It's not yeah, like I think, not, so. I think I they're think waiting so. to see yeah. what you'll do, do next. You know what? I, th- I guess because I became a public figure much later on, I'd had a full on fashion career. So right. I was 30 when I went on TV. Because of that, I think that I went into being a known person with a certain amount of, of courage, maybe, mm-hmm. or honesty, because I've been an adult and I'd had a great career and met loads of really interesting people. And so for me, being on screen, actually, the, 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 the narrative around that, so the fame and being known and social media and the interviews and stuff that became really easy for me because I was just having a natural conversation about who I was I'd grown up I knew who I was I knew how I felt about my own politics and about this stuff and that stuff and so I think that's allowed me to diversify because I've always said if you don't like it you don't have to like it Yeah. but kind of this is I'm into it and this is who I am yeah this is who I am and so the music kind of did that and so what's really interesting is is that going back to you saying in lockdown is that I've been DJing for many years before but I'd kept it really quiet because unless you bought a ticket to a festival or a club you wouldn't have known that I was a DJ I didn't really put it on socials then it got to lockdown and I had the biggest meltdown it was the most awful time for did me did you find lockdown really hard it, like the hardest experience of my life really because I'm, I'm a, a people person yeah. I have to be around my friends I have to be busy DJing was a way of me connecting with the world mm-hmm. and it was never supposed to be a big deal it was never supposed to, it was about me going, right, I'm going to get really pissed on my iPhone camera. <laughs> I'm going to play out some old 90s vocal house. Right. And if you want to tune in, you can. Right. And the first one was, a, you know, a couple of hundred people. Then it was a couple of thousand. And then it was tens of thousands, wow. hundreds of God, thousands, until it. it became one of the largest live streams. And it was all by accident. Wicked. And by which time I bought all the kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had it all there like, I, I was, am DJ I was, I was then ordering vodka on Amazon because I was really embarrassed I'm going to buy it so it was being delivered and, uh, and I was just having this like like kind of solo party in front of hundreds of thousands of people who and, loved it yeah and when it started, it wasn't just the music. It was anecdotal. There were conversations. There was storytelling. Talking to the Yeah, it was, the it was conversation backwards and forwards. Mm. And people just felt 
so loved yeah. and looked after. Connected. But, but yeah. vice versa. It yeah. was really important. It was yeah. as if, anyway, I get so many people now, like thousands of messages still weekly yeah. of people saying, thank you so much for the lockdown. You really saved us. I would have gone crazy. You know, all yeah. that kind of, but you know, in reply to that, it's like, that was about me as well. That wasn't yeah. a selfless act. That was, I really needed to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was so important. Yeah. And when we put on the big raves now, which we do do at, you know, Coco and the Roundhouse know, and stuff. I have seen, I've seen. I was like, we've seen you bopping away. When we do that, this room, you've got 3,000 people that mm. have never met each other before. Mm. They didn't even know they liked dance music mm. until lockdown, a lot of them, that they're in this space and all of, but they have people coming on their own. We have people in their 70s and their 80s wow. coming along. And it's the most joyful, accepting yeah. Do you go thing down, you've Alison? ever seen. Yeah. Oh, She's on right. stage. Okay. No. Are you, do you see? You have done. <laughs> you have done. <laughs> I don't like it. Is it what? what? I have terrible stage fright. Oh, really? So I don't Always. enjoy it. Tell Always. the girls about your history with music. Because it's yeah, so talk to me about gorgeous. Yeah, talk to me because about my mum was a singer for a long time. And it's really so I moved to London in about 1988. And I could sing, but I had never sung. And I got forced into singing at a club, cajoled into it by my flatmate. And it just all happened very quickly. I don't know the story, by the way. Within six months, I was signed. It just felt very foreign to me. I worked in advertising. I was behind the scenes, didn't like the light, none of that sort of stuff. It just was so overwhelming that I just couldn't get past it physically to do it. I was fine in a studio, but on stage, I hated it. Hated it. Not a, not a performing, but no, a singer. No. Not necessarily a performer. Yeah. And I guess those, those are two different yeah. things, aren't and they? And so I would do sessions and, you know, sing for other people. And, and I loved house music. You know, I came to the UK right at the birth of Acid House. Right. So Loved we're talking it. Frankie Knuckles. We're talking yeah. all that Chicago yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. All the, yeah, yeah. Which is actually the only kind of house music I can deal with. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I can't get into like really deep, like, what, like I, you know, you keep going to we come out. I'm like, God, I'm not going out. <laughs> it's like, you'll love it, you'll love it. I'm like, I will not love it. I'm going to be She's awful. a dirty little raver. Yeah, do you know what? Music. I literally, one of these days, I'm going to get you in a neon bikini <laughs> on a podium. <laughs> You watch me. Oh, no. Heads in the air. Not, exactly. Not with Disney. Not with that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. And so th- that's not something that got better, the stage no, fright. It stayed it's with funny. You. Now that I'm older, it's just a completely different experience because your head is in a totally different space mm. and you understand that that nervousness and fear, you can just use it as an energy yeah. on the I stage. I don't know. I don't, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to argue with you now. Mm. Because I've always been, again, always, (laughs) I see a different vision of you when you're around music. So having worked with you as a client and and also being your friend, Mm. they're two very different roles. But seeing you on stage as a performer is also a very different thing. Mm. Now, not until you were diagnosed with cancer, Mm. I don't think you found your courage to say, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And so actually, it doesn't really matter what people think when you are living with something (laughs) which was life-threatening, but now is inevitable. Do you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So when you've sang for me on stage when I've been DJing, you sing as you, purely you the on other stage. Stuff yeah. 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 The other yeah. stuff has gone. Yeah, other stuff has tailed into insignificance yeah. in some ways. Because all that stuff is really just bollocks. Fear is fear. Yeah. I used to throw up before I went on stage. I still went on though because yeah. I was determined. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen with me. For the first couple of years, I used to mm. throw up and then go, oh, right, okay, ready. let's do this. I just yeah.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, t- how has your life changed since you had your diagnosis? Then? Oh, um, okay. So this is going to sound absolutely crazy. So I was diagnosed six years ago. Uh-huh. Very soon after I was diagnosed, I found out I was stage four. So I knew I was terminal. So haven't pretty much you. from the beginning. Mm. And I've had the best six years of my life. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that bonkers? What, what's happened? What's made it that? <sighs> you become so connected to your life. You get rid of all the toxicity, the people, the thoughts about yourself, right. all of that. It's that waste I of mean, time. I mean, really, you just go, oh, there is no time for this. I've done things that I wouldn't have thought that I would have done. So I've been braver. I hate the word brave. You have a fuck it list, right? I don't have a fuck it list. I was thinking about it today and I thought, do you know what? When I'm thinking about what's the things that I want to do to fill these last days, it's not these big experiences. It's not that. Mm. It's... Sitting on the sofa with that idiot <laughs> and doing ridiculous She's not talking videos. about me now. Yeah. People on the podcast. She pointed to somebody else in the somebody room. Somebody else pointed to someone in the background. It's just, it's literally just being with the people that you love that make your heart sing yeah. and just doing whatever. Yeah. Like today when I went to buy the flowers, just walking down there, the sun was shining, got to pick out all the blooms, had a lovely conversation. And I just remember standing there thinking, oh, this is so nice. It's just that peacefulness. Soaking mm. up every tiny Everything. little bit of beauty. It's being in those moments. Mm. But you did, you did drive. You did drive very fast. I know. But like, I wouldn't yeah, go. I'm just listening oh. to this guy. It's not all. It's not all daffodils and sunshine. <laughs> but I suppose it's a mixture of it all, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, it, of course, it's great to go in a race car. You know, ninety miles an hour around so the track. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. awesome. That was awesome. Did you but get in the car, Gok? I you drove. drove it. Oh, you drove yeah. it. Total petrol head. I love it. But it's so interesting, isn't it? Because we've been very public about Alison's cancer mm-hmm. over my social media and also Alison's as well, because it's just, it's our relationship. It's on show yeah. and we don't want to hide anything. And I had no idea at all that I was mm-hmm. going to be part of this journey. Right. And so it was. it's Alison's diagnosis. It's Alison's cancer kind of thing. And I think that what's happened definitely over the last 12 months, how it's shifted again, because you are now getting to the final stages yeah. we can say that right absolutely yeah so um, now like literally 
months away. Wow. Yeah. So because we're, because we're there now, a fuck it list I don't think is really needed. It's more of an appreciation list. It's a yeah. gratitude list. Yeah. And that sounds so much like I need to get a yoga mat out and talk about Pilates. And it's not at all. But it is that little moment where you suddenly go, actually, that that wealth or that job or that credit, it's no longer important. It no, it's no longer important. It's, it's that feeling. Yeah. It's that what you've got inside. It's that. And I wonder, what, I mean? what would it be like if we lived our lives without all the impending that. doom? Yeah. Mm. But lived like that. I mean, I don't know what that would be like. Well, this is what people seem to be chasing mm. all the time. Mm. And is that what it takes to know that well, you're going to die didn't. soon? I wish it didn't. Mm. But, There's but this... I'm grateful that I got it. Mm. Because like I always say, I'd rather these six years that I've had than another 30 years of what I did have. Right. Do you know, it's interesting, losing people when they're young... Like, I lost my brother when he was 27. And when, after he died, there were so many people at his funeral. And he only lived 27 years. And he, yeah. in that 27 years, he packed so much joy, love. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. like it's what you do when you're yeah. here. But also there's that... It's hugely important. Yeah. There's that line in American Beauty I watched recently and I thought it was quite interesting. At the end, he says, all I could feel was gratitude for every day of my totally ordinary little life. Yeah. And it's like, that's all... a great all, line. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like... Everyone needs their lives to be all these things, but really it's just like it's it, we've all just got these days. I guess that's and my point about the fuck it or bucket list. Yeah. Mm. Is it actually all those things are wonderful. Mm. Life, life mm. and all of its bits is just awesome. Mm. And it doesn't take a racing car, although that's lovely. That was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> And well, you too. I mean, before you were going to, you went to Australia for Christmas, yeah. right? Is it sorry, oh, no, New before, Zealand? In uh, Australia, in September. Yeah, September. Australia. Australia. You went to Australia. And before you were going, I could feel your excitement. I feel like you're like each other's greatest love. There's a deep, deep connection between you Careful two that is now. a really beautiful thing Careful, to be Because if you ever love me, it gets right <laughs> oh, on my Oh, do, do you get narky? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if she ever and I loves love me. all the time. She loves me love, uh, literally all the time. Like, you know, I wake way. up, I want to have a cigarette and a cup of coffee, go for a and she's never hug. And it's like... What is this obsession? We've, oh, we've both got a bit of a... A poo. bit of a poo obsession. Yeah, well, I'm always talking about poo. We can, always, always. It's not that we compare, but we write... Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I think Alison is one of my greatest loves. Yeah. But I've always said that my greatest success has always been my friends. Yeah. Because my family's there anyway, and I'm very close to my family. It's very similar to this relationship here. But friends are so difficult to make. They're so mm. difficult. Proper friends. Proper friends and yeah. to keep and to mm. understand because we have so many different dynamics in our lives, don't we? We have relationships and work and, and lack of self-confidence and moments of our lives. And we have big, big, big things going on in our lives. And you cannot expect a group of people that are so completely different to you to just always get that. Yeah. And so, but also you had such an awful time at school, didn't you? You were yeah, you dreadful. Yeah, it dreadful. wasn't. A, it wasn't. That yeah. wasn't a time for you that was full of friends. Um, it's weird because I had a lot of friends, right. but I, I was I was so um, closeted in every part of the sense, you know, mm. not just about sexuality, but about, you know, my confidence and, and all that stuff and being very overweight and mixed race and lots of different things that I guess oh, yeah, I, I kept everyone. I read a whole everyone. list. It was yeah. like tall, overweight, <laughs> was, gay, yeah. mixed race. Yeah. Like, nice. Yeah. yeah. I kept people away and it wasn't until mm. like, I, I really found 
who I was, which was much further on into my life, um, that I then allowed people in and trusted people, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, I think Alison's one of the loves of my life. I've got so many of them, my friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about partners as in lovers, but my loves in our lives. Because they're so hard to find. It's really, really difficult. And I make friends quite easily. I can sit there and talk to everyone. Yes, deep friendships like this don't, you know, they they don't just, it's not like low-hanging fruit, is it? Do you know what I mean? He cultivates it, though. Yeah. Like, he's not lazy with it. No. So he was in an expectation that it's just going to happen like that. Yeah. He works really hard at it. Yeah. He's there. He's really present. He knows what's going on in your life. He's checking in with you. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a different level. Well, yeah. I think it's why you're so good on telly. Because, it, well, yeah, because you yeah. just, you know how to connect to people. You know how to see people and make them feel seen. And, yeah. And... And you I, mean I, it. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm lucky because I'd, I'd like people yes, as well. Yes, well, right. Yeah. I want to talk about telly, though, because it, oh. obviously we all share that industry, me, the people around the table, me, mum and you. I love it to death, the television industry, but I find it also really hard and frustrating. Right. Why is that? Because I would love to be in a position where I can make anything I wanted to and right. not have to ask. And that takes a lot of power. I never wanted to be on television as a presenter. I mm. wanted to be an actor when I was younger. Yes. And I realised very quickly, after I was diagnosed with my anorexia, which was in my early 20s after leaving drama school, Mm. and I suddenly realised then I was never, ever... I never should have been an actor. I was shit. I was so... (laughs) But I was really bad at it, to the point where we'd be at drama school, and I'd be surrounded by these... Very pretty. Everyone looked the same. Everyone looked like they were related. And there was suddenly me, six foot one, 21 stone, bleach blonde hair, mixed race, fat and camp. You went to Central School Speech and Drama, right? So So I was like Hagrid walking into the dining room. (laughs) That's what it looked like. This is no one of the lies. But that also says a lot more about the state of Britain at that time and why every person in the drama school was white, affluent and blonde. But I didn't know any of that stuff because I was so, you know, I'm I'm from a council estate in Leicester and I wanted to be an actor and nothing else really mattered. Mm. You know, that was it. I, I didn't think about anything else. It was like, well, I, I want to do this. I think that's so beautiful that yeah, you had absolutely. that free, I was so like, naive. spirit. Yeah, I love the yeah. courage so, of youth. But yeah, exactly, exactly. But it wasn't until I then, um, I got confused with being shit <laughs> with how I looked. And so I thought oh. to myself, if I looked like everybody else and I was going to be really good. And I genuinely right. remember having this conversation going, oh my God. I've got it. Epiphany. I just <laughs> need moment. to, I just need yeah, to change the I just need to look it. like everyone else and I'll be fine. And so then I lost all the weight dramatically and then it formed into the eating disorder. And it wasn't until I walked away from that and I suddenly went, made, it made sense then. It was like, you don't want to be an actor. You just want to play any other character that's not you. Right. So that's what it was. When it, them jumping forward to television, hair and makeup and fashion and this wonderful world happened and me- mm. meeting amazing people that I'm great friends with now and finding my confidence and whatever. And then television suddenly came up as an option and I, re- I had to fight it because it was so close to that world when it wasn't really that world at and all. And also with telly, you have to get as close to yourself as possible to I be good. I didn't know this. Yeah. Didn't know any of this stuff no. because I wasn't employed to be to me. I wasn't a presenter where I had to show my personality. I wasn't also an actor where I could play a different character. I was employed as an expert. So I was a person that right. did my job on screen, which I've always have been. And I always say this now, don't I? I'm not a TV presenter. Yeah, but you People were not like, I, a dreary, like you 
the reason you were good at it, the reason I would never watch any of those shows if you weren't on those shows, Scott. I don't give a shit what someone wants to wear, frankly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Harsh I mean, but I true. Do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harsh but true. Harsh but true. And what you, I watched that and everybody else watched it because you were talking about it because you were true. funny and you connected to the hearts see, of people. I, see, I'm going to disagree now, Andy, but thank you for the compliment. Well, no, no, but no, I'm going to no, disagree. No, 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 disagree. No. Because <laughs> I'm going to have some more Sorry, bloody Mary. It's going to make me Mm. I'm going to disagree. And I'll tell you why. It's because I've thought about this a lot because post House Look Good Naked, which was, it was a hit virtually overnight. Was that 2004? 2006, the first episode went out. And it was a hit overnight. All of a sudden, everyone was talking about it. And people were really unsure. It was a half an hour show to begin with. Then all of a sudden it went around the world and it was in, I think, 138 countries, something like that. It was really successful. So then a lot of people would say similar things to that, which is about, you know, it's your personality and you're funny and you're, you know, you're confident and you and, and I have quite a don't give a fuck sense of humour and, you know, personality. It's who, who I am. It really honestly wasn't about that. It was about the fact that I really care about people. That's and what so I was when someone oh, right. Oh, you started disagreeing with me. You started disagreeing with me. And for the podcast record, she's pointing at me now. <laughs> and I'm, I have a slight fear of my life going off. There's going to be a Batora no, in my for face. The, for the tribunal, she's now, Andy is now pointing at me. She's waving a knife around. So kind of what you're saying, and but genuinely that programme wasn't about my presenting ability or anything else, or even really about my personality, because it was because I definitely desperately wanted to tell that person's story. And I really cared about it. Was it was about your and ability I was, to connect to yeah, them. But I, was, I was also naive because I, I was taking somebody's self-confidence and their fear. Mm. And to me, by hook or by fucking crook, I'm going to help them. Mm. I'm going to do it. Didn't, take, didn't matter what it took, whether it was working really long hours in television or whether it was spending more money on the budget, we were going to help that person. And make, and but that this is interesting. So, this also is when you were talking, Alison, about turning your fear into something else mm. and kind of using it yeah. as fuel for almost like energy. Yeah. And I know mum has done that with with sort of the racial abuse that mum went through as a kid and sort of turning that... Uh, mum said something really interesting to me once about that. I said, it's just so painful to hear what you went through. And she said, yeah, but the thing is, it's become my superpower because of what I was put yeah. through. Yeah. I have unbelievable empathy for people yeah. mm-hmm. and what they go through, yeah. which makes mum good at her job. Yeah. And I think maybe I think the same... Exactly, exact, right? Exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. And yeah. in mm. fact, I get that from my parents because of my parents um, getting together in the, in the 60s. Yeah, how was that Chinese man? Woman just in awful, just really? a, you know, estranged from their families. Mum spat out in the street, oh, called names. God. You know, she got told once that she, me and my brother, a year between us, we had a double buggy, raised like twins, dressed the same, looked very different, but dressed the same. And uh, my mum tells this story of somebody coming up and saying, "But they're not your children." They can't be your children because we are Asian or we look Asian or part Asian in the boogie and mum is Caucasian. So I think because my mum and dad went through such adversity when they were uh, growing up, they're really accepting. And so they're accepting of everyone. They're really loving, aren't they? They're 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 full of love. I mean, I've seen them on your Instagram. They're incredible. Mum said you have videos of them like dancing together. Dancing together. They brought a tear to my eye. They were dancing, (laughs) slow dancing each other. I just went, oh my God. It's a love like you couldn't believe. It's so when you yeah. see them together. I turned 50 this year. My main goal now 
is just to have as much fun as possible and to really, really cherish all those big moments. Yes. I can't, I, I wouldn't have been able to say that when You're I was talking young. about your eating disorder. I had an eating disorder. I was mm. compulsive eat and then I became anorexic. You yeah. know, it's the same kind of journey with it, exactly really, the and then managed thing, yeah. to get through it. And um, when I look back, I just think about, oh, God, I was like tortured myself. Mm. You know, you're talking about all this stuff, Alison. It's like the shit you put yourself through. Yep. You put yourself through the on rules. a day to the rules that you have to adhere to. Oh my yeah. God, if I don't look like this, and I don't yep. do this, then life's not yep. going to be worth living. And, you know, just absolute mm. hell that you kind of put yourself through. How did you release those things and move forward? I mean, because for me, I, I mean, I had a lot of help. Yeah, I don't think I have. I think it's always going to be a part of me. Yeah. You know, I always describe my anorexia as a parasite, which is that sometimes yeah. it's dormant. Yeah. But it never goes away, and sometimes it rares up again. And well, I it's think addiction, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course, so it's, and it's a disease. You know, yeah. and people we don't realise that it's a disease, and, and it's so funny because it, especially when I was diagnosed with it, you know, it was virtually unheard of that you know men, men boys, mm. well, they certainly didn't just, talk yeah, about it, didn't talk about it. But of course, it was there and it was happening and stuff. And as I've got older, I guess I've got the tools, and every day I think about my weight or food yeah. or something. Some days it lasts longer than a nanosecond. Yeah. But most days it's a nanosecond thought yes. and it will come up. And it's just one of those tools things. And I think because I, I guess I've made friends with it and mm-hmm. I've, it's become part of my life mm-hmm. is that I won't let it control me. I now control it. So it's in and, perspective. Yeah. yeah. And it's only when things get really bad. And actually the interesting thing is, is that I've just started running I can't believe it's taken me that oh, long to get this in. I can't either, actually. Oh, I bet he doesn't oh, shut up about his running. Got a feeling. Oh, no, I saw I'm you a, talking about it. I'm a run wanker, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Alison. I'm here supporting you. <laughs> this is my uh, joy. <laughs> how long, um, how long yeah, are you running? Running? Okay, Where are you running? So, don't say, Andy, don't <laughs> say it like I'm going to give you a boring answer. I was like, you can understand it again. How long are you running? How long's it for? It's like we just have to do it. Cut. I'm going to take it out. Let me do it again. Take two. So, Gok, tell me about this new exercise you're doing. Terrible. I'll do it. Tell us about running. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's really interesting, actually. Hey, guys. What's the matter? Um, so, I do actually. I'm curious. Yeah. How so, long? so so the running. So I run five k. Nice. Four five times a week. The thing is, I uh, early when I, morning. Really early. As early as I can go, and it's the best time to run for me. I've got all this pent up ADHD energy when I'm asleep, and then it just comes out. So it's Get good. Up, but go then running. I'm fucking knackered. I need a nap. The hardest thing for me with the running is that I, I love it. I'm not a natural runner, so I'm not one of these people that goes, okay, I'm going to think about my life. It just doesn't happen. I'm like, get through this fucking run. Choose. Concentrate, never. Can't listen to music. I have to listen to my breathing. I count my paces. What? The no, whole thing, I count my paces. Does that make it hard? Yeah. No, d- awful. It's, it's dreadful. It's a horrible experience, <laughs> but I love how I feel. So all those, poor people, yeah, no, but like, all those poor people that see me on South Bank going, go on, go on, you've got this. I'm like, I knew, oh, <laughs> and, you, and I'm like trying to get through this run. I've got I've got another kilometer to go. And it's it's so bad. Why it's can't so you bad. listen to music? That's so because odd. Because I have to focus so badly on not passing out. 
And that is the honest <laughs> truth. That is the honest truth because I just feel like I'm going to pass out. I can't breathe. I smoke. I vape. Right. I yes. drink. Yeah. I do all the stuff that I shouldn't do. Mm. And so, and it's, then you go running. Yeah, and then I go running. And I've turned a corner where I'm starting to enjoy it. I'm starting to enjoy talking about it. I feel really proud that I'm yeah. doing this and all this stuff. But it's the one thing going back to the eating disorder. It's the one thing I've got to be really careful that doesn't trigger. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah, because and so it something can that's so a, good, yeah. it becomes addictive for that. And so that's one area that I'm being really careful on at the moment is I'm not trying, like I went for a run yesterday before I went to work. I could only get 3K in and I felt miserable because oh. it was 3K. Not that it was 3K, yeah. but because it, it was only 5K. 3K. Yes, exactly. exactly. And so it's just one of those things. And so like I'm saying, it's so, so and back to your original question, it's always there. Yeah. I'm doing couch to yeah. park bench. Couch <laughs> to park bench. Yeah. Alice's been a bench. No, but right I saw on your Instagram that you have started walking 7K a day. Yeah. Oh, yes. They're very slow walks. No. Okay, you can back the fuck off now. <laughs> because it didn't look slow. Your, I saw you. Your health yeah. on this trip, you've been here for yeah. two months now. You are a different... Alison arrived with a cane. This is what I read, yeah. And 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 literally was so unstable on yeah. her feet. And we would go out. And so I walk a lot. I walk all day long. As soon as I've got a day off and I've taken these two months off to spend it with Alison, so I've not worked very much at all, which is unheard of. So we've, we've walked a lot. a lot. And I will walk everywhere. We don't drive anywhere. We don't get cabs. We walk everywhere. How do you decide and where you're going to go? It's we're just normally walk. by food. It's normally about what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, where we're going to walk Curry to. Puff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but when you first arrived, yeah. we would go literally take my dog out, Dolly out, do a, a small morning walk, and then you would have to go back and have a nap. Mm. You were exhausted. And now you're just fucking going for it. You're like a yeah. Trojan. And she's out there and she's walking. And yeah. it's, it's amazing it's to watch. Does it feel like vital, yeah. connected, life connected to you? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of amazing because I can feel my cancer. I can feel it progressing and getting worse and I'm getting side effects and pain and all of that sort of stuff happening. And I could just focus on that and think, oh, that's what my health is, right? And instead the walking has kind of gone, well, yeah, that's going on and that's kind of to be expected. But look at this. Mm. Like I feel strong. I used to do a lot of walking. I live by the beach in Australia. Right. I used to walk on the beach, you know, you, you do 5K on sand. For probably a year now, I've not been able to do the walking that I did. Because you started feeling more ill. Yeah. Mm. And I got neuropathy in my feet from chemo, so I was losing sensation and I couldn't balance properly anymore. So coming over and doing this, it's a bit of a revelation. Yeah. You think... God, look at what your body can do. Yeah, the body can really dealing with it. all this stuff. And there's all these compartmentalising, yeah. like you can put so things I in So I just was places. like, okay, well, I know that that's going on here in my liver and whatever, mm. but my legs and, you know, we're, we're just out there and my hips are working. But also as well, you coming off of chemo has yeah. been a huge change because yeah. you, you, like you've always said to me, the cancer doesn't hurt me. I don't get pain no. from the cancer. Until now, recently, yeah, yeah. as it's got so bad. But up until now, for six years, you haven't really had pain no, from I've the cancer. No, I've had no experience but of you've the had, But you've right. had pain from the treatment. Yeah. And so the treatment, right. which makes you lethargic and makes you sickly and yeah. gives you a bad tummy, and, you know, all of those yeah. other things. But actually, now that you've decided to stop having treatment yeah. and let, <laughs> let, let nature take its course, yeah. mm. <laughs> now you've decided to yeah. do that, that, now you're probably rediscovering your body, aren't you? Yeah. Because it's back to your body again. Yeah. It's not your body full of the chemicals. And you're free yeah. from the, the effects of yeah. the treatment. Yeah. Right. And they're being tethered to your hospital and the scans and the, you know, because it's yeah. like a job. Yeah. I mean, I keep a medical diary, yeah. you know, for all the appointments and everything else. And now I don't have to do that. Is it good to have some autonomy back in your life yeah. and some control as well? I, I actually do think that I've had a lot of autonomy with my treatment and with my doctors. Mm -hmm. I'm really big about self-advocating. 
You know, just follow them down a pathway of this drug, then that drug, and, you know, whatever. Ask questions. Yeah, ask questions. What's it going to do? What's the efficacy of it? How long will it last for? What's going to come after this one? If I do that one, can I do mm-hmm. that treatment? Right. Is there the trial you want to put me on? Is it having any results? Yeah. But you've always been a naturally very quiz- yeah. inquisitive person. Yeah. You don't like not having the information, no. do you? No, no. The like information being, gives yeah. me control. Absolutely. And- me too. Ask yeah. questions. Yeah. Have you read the Barbara Streisand autobiography? No. I probably shouldn't talk about this on every episode, but I have to talk no. to you about Alison. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, know, you know the running chat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This I is love Barbara okay. Streisand. Running chat. Go. She's written an autobiography She's first time ever. It's a tome, Alison. It's yeah. this big and it's called My Name is Barbara. So many things you brought up today, stage fright. Having this desire and need to ask questions always, yeah. to know as much as you can about everything. Curiosity, I think, changes a life and ke- yeah. and, and uh, keeps us alive. I know it keeps me tinkering, curiosity, yeah. asking questions. And what you can do with, Quincy Jones says, you know, if we're lucky, we get this many days. And it's really not that many yeah. to get to 50, to 60, to 70. Yeah. What do you do with those days? And it's just a book about what she did with those fucking days. And yeah. look what she did with them. Yeah. Oh, and that's it's what so you're good. saying, Alison, yeah. as well. You're yeah, yeah. saying it's what you do with the days because yeah. mm. nobody knows how many days and they're not, got. No they don't knows. have to be big things and they're not, no. you know, they're big, they're small, they're... So funny because in the last couple of days, so Alison and I don't row. We've had one argument, right, in yeah, all these one. years? In the last few days, because Alison's been here for two months, I've taken two months off work pretty much, and we've had Christmas, and it is your last visit here, probably the last time I'm going to see you. Mm-hmm. And so we, we oh, had, we've goodness. had all these conversations. And but, so I've been in this state of panic. Yeah. Like, fuck, what do we need? What we, we need to do stuff. We need to be here. We need to be going here and, and doing whatever. And in my head, I was really eating away at me, thinking... Unless we are filling 23 and a half hours of the day mm-hmm. with activities and, and excitement and, and, yeah, and adrenaline and seeing stuff and whatever, is that I'm not giving Alison what the Alison's correcting here. of life. Yeah, mm. the, 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 correct. and it's so it because I hadn't really discussed it with yeah. Alison, it's just in my head. Yeah. And I was getting frustrated because I was running out of things to do. We've right. done everything, kind of thing. Like and it's such a weird thing. From watching this, but like this is basically you've got you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And I spoke to Alison about this the other day. And Alison just said to me, um, and we've actually not had the post-mortem of this chat yet, so we're doing no. it now. Yeah. But you said that to me, and I, and I thought about it, and you're absolutely fucking right, is that it is just us being on the sofa or, you know, or doing we're whatever we're doing. Or we're on a walk. Yeah, or, or, yeah. A podcast or we're driving fast cars. Or podcast yeah. Andy and yeah. 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 But do you see what I mean? And, it, and it's and it's together. Yeah, but, it, but, yeah. It's, but it's so, because we don't have the handbook for this. So I guess you just have to try and make it up as you go along. Yeah. But isn't it? And, it, and then also, I'm not, I've not spoken to you about this either. Years ago, I was having a really tough time with work and I was overworked and I was having everything thrown at me. I didn't want to say no to anything and I was, I was burning. And I didn't know it was burnout. I never had burnout before, but I was burning. And now I know that. And I called my sister up, who is, you know, one of my greatest mentors. And she said to me, one day you're going to die. And I was like, thanks, 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 sister. I'm literally my lowest ebb right now. And you're now telling me this. He said, no, but it's true. One day you're going to die and hopefully it will be in a bed. Then you're going to be surrounded by things that really mean something to you. And so hopefully I'll be there and, you know, hopefully mum and dad will be there and your friends will be there, but your bank balance won't be there. Mm, and no. that job won't be there because you're only going to have so much space around your bed and that's the most important oh, thing. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? We don't think about that stuff because it's always obituary stuff. It's art when it's too late yeah. and it's written down. Yeah, like what will the Guardian yeah. say? It's like, but who will yeah, be it? It's so things. funny because I think about it all the time. Right. Like, and what is it like to think about oh, that? Oh, it's lovely. Mm. 
I have such a sense of peace. Really? Like I know what my death is going to be like and it's all planned and I know what my funeral is. I was going to say, have you planned everything else? So in Australia, we have voluntary assisted dying. Are you going to do it? Yeah. And so I get complete control over that ending. Wow. And that just gives me such a sense of peace because I'm actually not afraid of dying. Yeah. In a very kind of perverse way, I'm a little bit excited because what comes next? Yeah. It's the big adventure. Who knows? And I have this fascination with auroras. Mm-hmm. I love the Northern Lights and the Southern Auroras. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading about this thing called the soul particle, which is where they believe us as a physical being when we die, our conscience is in our soul particle. Mm-hmm. And we are just, we are carbon. We, are, we have all come from dead stars. That's just a fact. Yeah. And so when we die, when we become particles again and our soul particle is out there, I just see myself in an aurora. I didn't know that was called a thing because yeah. that's what I actually yeah. believe. No, that's Isn't that I gorgeous? Yeah. And I think that the people right, we, lo- I think the people <laughs> that we lose live in us in, in, in part in that way. That's, how, that's just what I think about yeah. life and death. And, yeah. You know, but I never knew it had a it's name. Like actual, I didn't know it was so the actual atmosphere. Well, we've just become part of the universe yeah. again. We come from the universe, we go back to, to it. To the universe. And it is a form of reincarnation because as an atom, we become something else. And I just love that. It's beautiful. I mean, I'd love to see my grandparents and all my dogs, that I have would to be say. Great. But uh, that's kind of my, that is my spirituality that I think about. And I'm just like. You know who's going to be with you? My son will be with me. I've got a 31 year old son mm-hmm. who is the most pragmatic. Brutal, hard nosed. Yes. <laughs> just... Hi, Tash, when you're listening to this. Auntie <laughs> got here. Hi, Tash. We love you. <laughs> Hi, Tash. He's just like, he's been my carer for the last two years. Right. We've had a very damaged relationship from when he was a child. And so we've been doing this journey of me understanding him, him understanding me. Right. And he is an astrophysicist, so that's what he's passionate about. So we talk about, in fact, this morning at 6 o'clock this morning, we're talking about the soul particle. Right. (laughs) But but it's so interesting because he would be able to kind of have this conversation. Well, he's kind of describing what they believe and how they believe it. Right. And, yeah. How the stars and the moon, Makita's obsessed with the moon, how the stars and the moon and the Well, like he said to me, you realise, Mum, that we are, humans are made of carbon. And the only place that carbon has come from is dead stars. So billions of years ago, a star has died. And, you know, over the passage of time, we become... Okay. I, I think the reason it is making me want to cry is because it's just, it, it reminds you that there is something that is forever. Yeah. And it's not actually this. Yeah. It's something else that's well, forever, said that which the is universe far is so, bigger. The universe is so magnificent and yes. complex. Yes, He said, it isn't possible that when we die, it is the end of us. Yes. And I love that. And if just my consciousness is out there, that's awesome. Wow. And I'm going to come back as a poo. Okay, you so, bloody can. Just so you started as a poo. Will. And you will. You started as a poo, you should continue. Andy. Nasty bitch. Nasty. You only have a, a certain amount of days and who knows how long any of us have. And yeah. I just, I'm so happy that you spent 
one of those yeah. days when one, us and we've spent one of those really days together. Yeah. We've been so excited. And Ooh. when I realised it was you that was coming, because I said, it can't be Alison. She doesn't live here. She lives here. <laughs> and then we looked up and we went, oh my God, there it is oh, you. Oh no, she's here oh, again. No, she's here. <laughs> oh no, More she's comebacks. back. A joy and a particular privilege yes. to have you both with us, yes. honestly. And, and thank you. Loved meeting you. And thank you for giving us some of your time that you've got together. Yeah. Thank you for sharing any of it oh, with it's us. It's been a nice break, and on Andy, honestly, it's been lovely. <laughs> I've loved it. <laughs> 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 it's been lovely. And, uh, to motherfucking life. To the and, to, life. and to soul particles. Yes. And to the soul particles. And yes. the soul particles. Thank you Cheers. so much. You're beautiful. I honestly didn't realise how even scared I am of talking about death. And to mm. talk to someone who is so crazy, is facing death and knows when that will be. Yep, she's decided. There's something powerful in that knowledge, isn't there, yes. in her? And uh, like I said, I'm perversely excited. Because she's got it all planned out. She knows what she's going to do. Well, also, I was thinking that one of the kind of craziest things that teaches us how ridiculous and magical and wonderful and awful life is, is death. Yeah. So to partake in it, kind of remind you of the magic of to life. To control your death and know mm. when it's going to happen and decide. But also just the act of dying yeah. reminds us when she was saying we all become the universe it's yeah. like it kind of is the most magical thing you can do is yeah. to kind of die and Birth turn and into something else. Yes, <sighs> if that's what you believe, who yes. knows? I yes. mean, that's the thing. It's a great unknown. Who knows? Mm. It, uh, and when I didn't know it was called a thing, I didn't know this soul particle, mm. because when I describe what I think happens after death, that's kind of how I always describe it. You I feel do. like we go back to the stars and, yeah. you know, and then we become part of the people that we love. And that's how we remember the Alison people that we come love. to our table and spend some of the time that she does have left on this earth yeah. with us and to just be so open to choose to mm. yeah and I know she'll fucking hate it if I say this but it's a privilege for, yes, to get someone she will to do that. that she'll really hate that and I'm really, I'm really sorry for using that word but it is that, to, that for them for Gok and Alison time they have together is limited they love each other so much for them to choose to spend any of it at all with me and you yeah. at our table mm. I feel very grateful right now. And actually sitting across from Gok, I realised I've known him for a really long time. You know, life does go quickly. And what do we do with the days? Gok one just made me... <laughs> It's made me laugh in a very deep, deep, he's a funny soulful man. way. He's a funny, he's, he's a, a funny, funny dude. Man. He's a funny but dude. But he also, so he gives so much. It's mm. why he's so good on telly. He really, he gives a lot of who he is to other people. Thank you, Gok and Alison. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 